Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Amy, it's not going well. Just going to throw that out there. It's not been a good week. It's, it's not been a good week. I would say it's been a strange week and is stranger by the minute. No, I, I, I tell just, you, yeah. the 90 minutes from... well. It, Eastern time. Let's go 9 p.m. Eastern to 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday night. Right. have to be right up there with 90 minutes of the, like the most tense, stressful, and yeah. like, crazy it was the Yeah, it was the tipping, the tipping I've ever point. I've experienced. Yep. Just a weird kind of thing as, as so much news was unfolding, as it was sort of sinking in that the World Health Organization had declared the coronavirus, COVID-19, a pandemic, a global pandemic. Then we had the announcement from the President of the United States, or the national address, I would say, from the Oval Office. Well, and then the announcement of like banning travel from Europe. Right. And then um, that, along with the NBA canceling or suspending their season. Yep. And I would say that the... the like the the announcement that Tom Hanks had tested positive because for yeah. many people you you had a face and a person, mm-hmm. so all of that happening kind of at once was a really weird sort of strange experience. And the the hours since then have just continued to develop at a yeah. at what feels like a rapid speed. Yes, Thursday was maybe one of the most head spinning days I've ever seen. Things getting canceled left and right. I mean, my kids have been out of school for a week because of uh, COVID nineteen. I think your kids' uh, schools in Wake County closed. No, well. they're no, not they actually. Yeah, yeah. Drew's still, uh, still, still going, but the surrounding counties have canceled now. Beginning next week for about three weeks, I think. Uh, all of them have different types of plans on how they're navigating that cancellation. Uh, so I'm actually anticipating something from yeah. from Wake County soon. Yeah. And we'll, so. we'll talk a little bit later about our seminaries and, and whatever happened, what happened with them. I mean, it's just, there. there's, I think, an appropriate amount of caution right. at this point. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about, right. about all about that why. as we get into the story. Yeah. But yeah, but, and, and you and I have, you and I have, We've, of course, been watching the news like so many people, but also we've had conversations with different groups and we've talked to people who maybe have spoken with with experts, have gotten different advice from their state and local leaders. As we have learned some of that information, it's making sense to me what is happening. Uh, but we'll, like you said, we'll we'll dig into that in a few minutes. So we jump into this week's episode. Lead story is Sunday being declared a National Day of Prayer by Dr. Ronnie Floyd, J.D. Greer, and the rest of the Great Commission Council. Uh, there is a day of prayer set aside this Sunday, March 15th, for the global pandemic stemming from the coronavirus. So they're calling all Southern Baptists throughout all of our churches, more than 47,500, to commit to a dedicated time of prayer this Sunday, March 15th. There are several points to that request. So we have a video that Dr. Floyd made to go along with that announcement, and we're going to play the audio from that here. On March the 11th, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus or COVID-19 outbreak to be a global pandemic. I am personally grieved at the number of lives this virus has claimed 
as well as the global disruption that it has caused. Our SBC Executive Committee staff continues to monitor news regarding the spread of COVID-19 and to assess any potential impact on the 2020 annual meeting in Orlando this June. As the annual meeting organizer, we are committed to ensuring a safe and responsible gathering. We are currently proceeding with our preparations to host the annual meeting as planned in Orlando this June. No plans are being made otherwise. That said, the health and the safety of messengers and attendees are our highest priority, and we will continue to evaluate the status of the annual meeting in the coming days and weeks. Also, I want to commend our entity leaders across the SPC as they have taken precautions and executed strategies to prevent or slow the spread of this disease at their respective institutions. We have created a landing page to keep Southern Baptists updated on these efforts, and you can access that page by going to the link on the screen below. Finally, in light of COVID-19, the coronavirus global pandemic, the leaders of each of our entities, along with SPC President J.D. Greer and myself, are calling all Southern Baptists throughout more than 47,500 churches to commit to a dedicated time of prayer this Sunday, March the 15th, 2020, to seek the Lord in unity about these matters. First, let us ask God in His mercy to stop this pandemic and save lives, not only in our communities, but around the world, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with the virus. Second, let us commit to pray for President Donald Trump and other governmental leaders, international leaders, federal, state, and local leaders, to have the wisdom to direct us in the best courses of action for prevention and care. And third, Scripture says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Pray that the Lord will give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know are shaken, that others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is, and they would see their need to turn to God. And finally, let us ask God to protect our missionaries and their families around the globe, using this global crisis to advance His good news to the whole world. All right, so that's Dr. Floyd explaining the day of prayer. You can see all that, and uh, he mentioned an address on the screen below. Well, that is sbc.net slash COVID-19, or we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show, that that specific webpage, but you can find all that. It's on our social media channels. It's on Baptist Press, the EC social media channels. You can find those four points that he mentioned on social media, or you can just go to that website that uh, we link to in the show notes and that we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, we mentioned the seminaries and how it's affecting school closings, all of our seminaries now have moved to online delivery, at least through the end of March. Gateway, I think, right. is still evaluating things, but everybody else, I think, is through the end of the semester that they're deciding to just go online delivery only for this semester. This happened rather quickly this week. When state and local leaders began to ask about large gatherings, that's when this conversation happened. So let's back up and think through the concept of what's going on here. The seminaries moving to online is not necessarily because an outbreak has happened on the campus or even because 
uh, you know, someone has tested positive. It's in response to this discussion about a term that's called flattening the curve. And it is how people have begun to look at how this virus has spread in other communities and as the experts uh, in, in, in the area of infectious disease can look and see how quickly this this moves and how sometimes it can move through people who have symptoms that are not really very detectable. And so the containment becomes difficult in a public sense. What they're going after is sort of dense populations that are, are together because once it spreads in a community like that, it's just kind of impossible to stop. And then our public health system can't manage everything. And so it, this is almost a thought of sort of love of neighbor type type situation to try to s- slow down the spread. And so they've asked a number of educational institutions to do this. And our seminaries have responded in all sorts of different ways but uh, to, to think about it. But it's mainly through online delivery of how do they continue instruction of their students, but to do it in a way that doesn't have so many people in one place at one time uh, in sort of a small area. So we have a story at Baptist Press that really hits at all the different institutions. Of course, that's been a big thing in my community here. I live just a few blocks away from Southeastern, and Keith has been involved in a lot of those discussions there. So for most cases, it's going to online delivery systems. It's asking students who live in dorms on campus and that doesn't always involve like the apartment complexes, but dorms that are on campus where there's a lot of communal living, that they are vacating those. And in most cases, they're working to help people who don't have somewhere to go yeah, if you, uh, to help if you them live find in a one place. Of those seminary communities, like I mean, I know, Amy, you guys do, obviously, because Keith's on staff there. But I know right. that there are people in the areas and area churches that are really trying to step up and, right. and help. And that just doesn't go for seminary communities, but colleges too. Right, I know Vanderbilt right. did the same thing. A lot yeah. of colleges are doing these same things. And these kids, pretty much if you're living in the dorm, you may not have anywhere to go. Right. So right. I, I would encourage our listeners, if, if you live near a college and you know college students that are kind of suffering for this and you got a spare bedroom, help them out. Yeah. yeah. Help them out. Yeah. So, so it's getting those dorms vacated. And then also typically it involves canceling events I know like Midwestern has their trustee meeting coming up in a few weeks. They are going to do that in an online capacity. Events that were scheduled on campus at Southeastern, including the Cultivate Conference that was coming up next weekend, that's been canceled. So just the, we're seeing a lot of rapid changes in those entities in particular for Southern Baptists, which I think make a lot of sense. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there was a, a big youth evangelism event that was going to be held down at the old Coliseum at Memorial uh, Coliseum here in, in Nashville this weekend. And it's, it's been canceled. 8,000 people were expected for that thing that the Tennessee Baptists were putting on. So I know a lot of state conventions are canceling stuff, at least for the time being. NAM has canceled all their events through the month of April. They've also instituted a travel ban for their employees. I say travel ban, travel restrictions uh, for their employees. IMB is really cranked up the, the security for their people and personnel across the globe, as well as travel restrictions coming back into the U.S. And then also, you know, we've, we've got a story at Baptist Press this week that a pastor in Alabama who was in Bethlehem when things kind of spiraled over in Israel, he was stuck in Bethlehem, quarantined, 
because some of the people had uh, been exposed to it. They all tested negative and they were actually able to get home. So we had like right. a three-part series on this uh, about him being stuck, about him being tested negatively, and then about him being home. But right. they're still but, self-quarantined here in the States. Right. But, and they're in some but quarantine. Right. And, and I believe some of them are in some quarantine centers. So they're not actually yeah, four separate home quarantine home. locations. Right, right. So they're not home home yet. They're in quarantine locations and then they will get to go home. I, I really thought a lot about this because since I just traveled to Israel and was even in Bethlehem, you know, not far from where that hotel was, not not staying there, but just the day that we went to Bethlehem. And, and th- let's be sure this is a couple of months ago. Not not recently. Right. Not recent. Not recent. So, yeah. No, no, no. It's yeah. the end of December. But I could picture it. I mean, I was I was really able to think about where they were and what it was probably like for them, you know, to be sort of stuck. And I know that was so tough just being so far from home. A lot of them having kids back here in the States. Um, so really great news that they made it back to the US. And then now we just pray that nothing develops in that time period. Yeah. So Chris Bell and his team, they said they'd been quarantined since March the 5th at the Angel Hotel in Beit Jala. And they were cleared March the 9th to return home, got back on the 11th. And now they're in a 14-day quarantine from their last exposure of the coronavirus. So probably somewhere around the 18th or 19th, if they don't have any symptoms, they'll be released from quarantine. So they still got about a week left, Amy. On yeah. that. And uh, so I hope be they in have prayer a lot of books. Pastor Chris Bell. Yes, I know. Well, yes. and, and they podcast, you know, they're back home now. They can listen to us. So I'm sure That's they're right. big listeners. That's right. Yes. I'm sure Pastor Bell is a big listener to SBC shout this out. week. So shout out to you and the whole team there at the uh, the four quarantine centers uh, with the CDC. But uh, we, we are praying for them, been praying for them for about a week now. We, we found this out last Friday and uh, started working on that. And I know some people that go to the church and down in Mobile, and uh, they've been praying for them and just really kind of relieved. That nobody showed symptoms, they were able to get back to the states, even if they're in quarantine. At least they're they're kind of back here, so to speak. So, uh, be in prayer for them as uh, they continue to wait out that quarantine, probably for another four, five, six days from our time of recording today. Uh, some churches looking for coronavirus response training for their church. Uh, Lifeway has developed a free training resource for that and made that available through their Ministry Grid program. This has been a huge question that I've seen out and about uh, on social media, a lot of churches trying to decide what to do. And everyone's doing, you know, different things, a lot of times depending on their location, the size of their church, the makeup of their congregation, as far as high risk, things like that. For congregations who are still meeting, this is a great resource in Ministry Grid, completely free to help pastors and church leaders know what to do. So there's training videos, checklists that are immediately applicable for a response plan. And so it thinks things about developing plans, phases of implementations, how to monitor attendance metrics, alter regular ministry practices, things like that. Uh, so this is really cool. And, and to offer it for free, I think is just a great service to churches. And so we have a link to that. There are four specific videos, how to create a pandemic response plan for your church, three phases of a pandemic response plan, your church's leadership pipeline in a pandemic response plan and pandemic planning considerations. Yes. So there are a lot of resources there and the ERLC's got resources. Uh, we have a, we'll talk a little bit more about the resource page at the end of the show, but I'm extremely thankful for how our entities have responded to 
the coronavirus and uh, the pandemic that's been declared. So uh, they, they've done a great job of trying to resource churches, help churches do the best they can minister in their areas. Another thing the IMB did this week, and it, it almost seems moot now, I mean, because nobody really wants to travel now. They recommended mission volunteers to postpone travel for mission trips because of the coronavirus. And that seems a little bit moot right now, Amy, but, uh, you know, the IMB came out earlier this week and said, Hey, don't do this through April 30th. They're not telling people they can't, but they're really recommending you not travel through April 30th. Right. Again, this is not, I mean, no one can tell a church what choices they're going to make, but recommendations like this are incredibly helpful because these are coming from people who are talking to experts. They are getting a lot of information at their levels, and they're just passing that wisdom on. So Dr. Chitwood said the situation is changing moment by moment, uh, but he points out several things. You know, we don't know where a group might be delayed, which countries may not allow international travelers to enter or exit, that because this thing is changing so rapidly, you don't, you don't know what kind yeah. of challenges you may have. What may be a safe place today by the time you get there tomorrow or the next day, you know, international travel being what it is, it could be totally different. The, the right. entire scenario could be changed. And then you also have to think about the airports you're going through and who else is going through them. So right. I, there's right. just so many unknowns. You just don't know. And and here's something to think about, too, which could really change within the next few weeks. All right. So one of the ways that we have handled this in the U.S. is to say travel is restricted from certain areas. And there's a reason for that, you know, because it we've got to think about two things. One is influx of it coming in, but also, you know, as we maintain what's already here. And so it's helping to to deal with the spread. Well, in a couple of weeks, depending on where things are in the U.S., you could find countries that don't want, that that are, are concerned about travelers coming from our region. And so the idea of potentially getting stuck somewhere or, you know, being turned away, things like that, it, this is just such a, such a delicate time worldwide that I think that's a, a lot of the point that the IMB is making, that it's just things are very unpredictable right now. Absolutely. And we, we have seen that play out throughout the week and, and it just continues. I mean, we were recording this right now, just got alerted. The Masters has been postponed, Amy. So, yes, like big deal. everything, everything is getting postponed. Right. The only thing right now that's still going and, and it may actually be ended by the time we get done recording this. NASCAR is still supposed to run this weekend. So that right, may be the only no thing. With no fans, going. right? With no, no fans. fans. Yeah. Just yeah. a bunch of cars. Yeah. Which will really and, be strange. And these, those are the things that are telling me something because their, their leadership is not going to take closing lightly. So they've got to be talking to pretty high level experts. It's the same thing for like Disney World closing all their properties yes. around the world. And the cruises throughout the end of March. Right. Right. And uh, Universal Studios, I saw, is closing. So uh, just all of these places are closing. And that's a huge, we know that that's a huge economic hit for them. So it's not something that they're going to do just, you know, very quickly. I saw this is only the fourth time in history that Disneyland in California has closed. I don't know about Disney World, but Disneyland closed for the National Day of Mourning after the assassination of President Kennedy. They closed uh, in the Calif after the California earthquake. They closed 9-11 and then now. Yeah. Disney World is closed more because of hurricanes. Hurricanes you know, and they, things they like that. They close from time to time because of that. Right. Right. But but Disneyland, I mean, it's just a very, it's a big deal. So they don't make these decisions without 
having pretty significant conversations with experts. So absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's been a week that I I know I won't forget and just all that's going on. And in the next couple of weeks, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see where things evolve from here as we move forward over the next couple of weeks. Yes, but we hope that maybe these efforts, because that's part of the goal, will indeed flatten the curve. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay, Amy, we got a couple of non-coronavirus related stories. All right, let's I know do it's it. surprising, but, but we, there was other news in the SBC this week. And uh, up to Kansas we go, where Bob Mills, the state exec up in Kansas, Nebraska, he is retiring effective February 28, 2021. So about a year from now, he'll be retiring. Yes. So Bob Mills has been the executive director treasurer there for 10 years. He came into the role January 1st, 2010. And uh, he's from Florida, but he went to Kansas when he attended Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And it looks like just really stayed there for quite a while, served at the local association level, had a had position with the Home Mission Board, was a pastor there in the Kansas City, Kansas area. Uh, then he served with NAM, but returned to the KNCSBC in 98 as state director of missions and then became the executive director in 2010. And so he has served there for a decade now. They are celebrating their 75th anniversary this year and oldest of the new work conventions in the in the SBC. So has had a, a, a long tenure there, make quite an impact. And June 30th is the deadline to send resumes, which are being accepted now. Yes. You know, he, he went to William Carey College, or what is now William Carey University in yes. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is yeah. also the home of Southern Miss, where I went to school. We Not the there same time, go. though, obviously. So I'm not to retirement age yet. So other news, annual meeting stuff, Amy. And for those wondering, annual meeting still on. So yep. June plans is not are, March. Plans are proceeding. So, That's yeah, right. So June is not March and April. So a lot of long right. time from, from then to now. We, we know that because we've been counting it down. We're around 90 days now. But we have some news on committee chairman from the 2020 Committee on Committees. So J.D. Yes. Deere has named Meredith Cook as the chairman and Marty Jackman as the vice chair. That's right. So Meredith Cook is from Texas. She lives in the Houston area with her husband, Keelan. They're members of Neartown Church, which is an SBTC church plant. And she is a writer, editor for several uh, several people. And then Marty Jackman, pastor of Bayleaf Baptist Church here in Raleigh, is the vice chair. So that's just yet another announcement. We had the chair and vice chair of the resolutions committee announced a few weeks ago. We're fixing to get to that full committee in a minute. But this is kind of just another rollout of those appointments from President Greer. Yes. So those are the vice chair and chairman of the committee on committees, Meredith and Marty, respectively. Over to the committee on resolutions that you just mentioned, where Ed Stetzer and Angela Um are chairing and vice chairing that committee. We've got the full committee now. That's and it right. includes some some friends of the pod, Amy. Friends of yes. the pod. Yes. So that was listed in the BP release in alphabetical order. Bruce Ashford, who is professor of theology and culture and is the provost here at Southeastern Seminary. So uh, definitely I, I know him. He lives near here. Bart Barber, who is pastor of First Baptist Church, Farmersville, Texas, friend of the pod. Yeah, Both Ale- of them have been on the pod, I believe. I think we've yes, interviewed both of them. I think so. Yeah. I know we've interviewed um, Bart. 
I don't know if we've interviewed Bruce Ashford. Did we not talk to him about one of his books? Maybe. I think we've highlighted his book, if nothing else. We okay. might not have interviewed okay. him, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he's still a friend Ale- of the pod. Yes. Alex Cosio, who is the senior pastor of New Horizons Fellowship in Woodstock, Georgia. It's like the Spanish language fellowship related to First Baptist Woodstock. First Baptist Woodstock. Jeremy Morton's pastor. Yes. Robin Harry, who is a member of Clearview Baptist Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, She's director and managing principal of Diversified Trust Company. She is a member of the executive committee. So uh, just keep in mind, there have to be three executive committee members on the resolutions committee. That's been a bylaw in place since, goodness, 1940s, 1950s, something like that. So Robin will be serving as one of those. Andrew Hunt, senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Indianapolis, also an executive committee member. Brooke Medina, she's Director of Communications for the Civitas Institute and on the Board of Directors for ReCity Network in Durham, North Carolina. So she's uh, not too far from me here. Katie McCoy, Assistant Professor of Theology and Women's Studies at Southwestern Seminary. Friend of the pod. Yes, friend of the pod. And Jared Wellman, Pastor of Tate Springs Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas. He also is a executive committee member that's, that makes three of those. And he was on the committee last year because the resolutions committee also has to have two members that served the previous year. So that would be Jared Wellman and Angela Um, the vice chair. Yes, Jared, also friend of the pod. Yes. So, so there yes. you go. Good. It's nice to see um, those guys. Wish them all the best that's as right. they, they deal with the EC liaison to that committee. Oof. That's right. She's pretty tough, man. <laughs> so yes, that's a a, a new role. You, I will I will yeah. get to play, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very very logistical role setting up everything they need and making sure they have the space, and also just managing as the resolutions come in, we get those organized for them, and then we we hand it off so that they can do their work and just there to to help in any way as the managers of the annual meeting. So when does the resolutions open, Amy? Tell us that. Yes. So proposed resolutions can be submitted as early as April 15th, but no later than 15 days prior to the SBC annual meeting. So roughly May 25th. Something like that, yes. So they need a two-week period in which to consider submissions. They meet the week before the annual meeting, so they've got to have all that time to be able to process those. So April 15th is when it opens up. So you can send your taxes in and send your resolution That's in right. on That's April right. 15th. So the proposed resolutions have to be accompanied by a letter from a church qualified to send a messenger to the SBC annual meeting that certifies that the individual submitting the resolution is a member in good standing. So you have to be eligible to be a messenger in order to submit one. And so there are a number of ways they can be mailed, but uh, obviously we prefer email. That's just simpler. And we will have a submissions portal that will go live on April 15th that is a, a, a way for people to to submit their resolutions as well. So no person can submit more than three resolutions per year. So if you're See, an I didn't individual, realize that was a rule. Yeah, it is. So if you're out there and you have a lot of resolutions in your mind, only three under your name. I want to so, submit a resolution of unappreciation for COVID-19. All right. Here's my hunch. This is a guess. We always kind of guess what types of things may be talked about. I got to I gotta guess. And I do not say this speaking as the liaison. I do not say this speaking as anyone who knows of anyone that's submitting a resolution. Host. 
just as a podcast host, I'm going to guess we will see something on COVID-19. More than likely. Uh, maybe a resolution of appreciation of how our entities have responded to that. So they have, uh, who knows? Uh, I have been might, very, it, it very could, appreciative of that. It can include a lot of things and, and prayers and, you know, just, just all of that. But that's just my hunch. So we'll see, we'll see what rolls in. We'll see what the committee brings uh, to Orlando as well. But it's, it's definitely that time. Yes. So we'll remind you in uh, about a month. You've got about a month to right. start getting those things together before you got to submit them because April 15th, it opens. It's got about a month. So we'll remind you as that gets closer. But uh, do make sure that you have your hotels booked, your child care booked, and your resolutions written, I guess, if you want to submit one. So uh, I think we we typically get around two to three dozen resolutions. I believe a couple of years ago, maybe we got up to 40 or so. Fascinating to see. We, you know, 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people at these things, and we get like 25 or 30 resolutions. So not a lot of people choose to go down that path. So, uh, but if you're interested in that, so you've got all the information here in the link provided to you over at spcthisweek.com. That's going to do it for the news this week. That brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. I decided to look back to 1919. And uh, I'm actually, I don't have a Baptist Press article from that week because Baptist Press wasn't wasn't in existence. I have an issue of the Home and Foreign Fields Journal. So it's the Foreign Mission Journal. It's kind of the one they did together, Home Missions and Foreign Missions, the the two boards, from March 1919. So it's the one for the whole month. And the reason I got it is because, first of all, these are just really interesting to look at anyway, to see and kind of understand what was going on in the world of missions at that time, which certainly was heavily influenced by World War One, But another thing that you see kind of throughout, and you can actually run like a search for words in this, is that this was sort of on the, the backside of the Spanish influenza epidemic, as is, it's is referred to in 1918. Um, kind of began at the end of 1918 was when you really started to see it in some some things, and then into 1919. And so what what you see, because this was a worldwide pandemic, and I I got this issue, and I actually just searched for the, if you just search for the word flu, it'll pop up, whether it's in the word influenza or something. Um, and it really talked about how it affected missions. There's an article on the call of the task in Mexico, and it talks about how the the country was really struggling that if that if the influenza were to strike certain parts that it would hit the towns you know in a, a really difficult way at that time it talked about the spanish influenza being widespread in japan and china um and it and discussed you know I think one of the one of the missionaries that was really affected there. It also talks about a 60-day campaign for the Home Mission Board, and it says um, the work of the year is virtually done, and it na- remains now for us to provide the funds to meet all our obligations. Elsewhere in this issue is found statement of home mission receipts up to the 1st of February. These receipts are not as large as we expected, nor as they would have been, but for the influenza that has affected the whole South. In addition to this, there have been and are still educational campaigns on in all the states. So you just kind of get to see this hint of how this epidemic or pandemic was affecting, you know, just the, the work 
the mission work and the, the little things in the SBC. I'm also going to throw in something, and this is a hat tip to Allison Young, our coworker, um, who is just incredible, and she's kind of an SBC history girl like me. Uh, she ran a search on sort of the SBC annuals of the time, and the SBC annual of 1919, if you do the same thing, you run a search for the word influenza in it, it will pop up and you will see all the different things that our entities were doing to deal with this. So it, it talks even about like a prominent pastor who had who had died of pneumonia following influenza, things like that. So wow. you see how that event affected them during that time. So I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting conversation with Allison sort of sparked it in in my mind. So I wanted to go back and see what was going on in March. Uh, So certainly some of the conversations that we're beginning to have, they were on sort of the back end of something. So we'll we'll have to see how this this goes and most definitely be in prayer on Sunday. But I think they were talking about some similar things this week in SBC history. Yes, they, they were. Definitely back in uh, 1918, so 19. and uh, So yeah. it's Spanish flu. I, I don't know much about it because I'm not a doctor, epidemiologist. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I, I'm guessing that that started in Spain and spread throughout the world. It was pretty bad. I, I guess so. I don't know a lot of history of that one except knowing that it, just knowing about it and that it affected the entire world. Uh, that was that's, on the backside of World War One. Right. So, yeah, that, that right. would have been... Oof. And that was one where uh, I've heard a lot of references to it this week in discussing the social distancing concept because they talked about how in that epidemic that the cities of Philadelphia and St. Louis responded in very different ways. And I, I think it was that St. Louis practiced sort of a social distancing type culture, you know, that they stopped all major events, things like that. And I believe it was the city of Philadelphia that did not. And I I, um, I could have that backwards. So if I do, apologies to Philadelphia. But um, that the study, the case study between those two cities in a 14-day period, that it was a drastic difference in the spreading. Um, so I've been hearing some about that, the Spanish flu epidemic in America it, the last few days anyway. So it's interesting to see how the SBC responded to it. All right. Well, uh, that moves us to our resources of the week. And actually just one resource this week, Amy, tell us about that. We're, we're going to have the same resource and it is that at sbc.net, we do have a page for COVID-19 that just gives updates on what is happening, particularly among our entities, but also including things like the call for prayer and just any updates that come that are related to the Southern Baptist Convention sort of at the the entity level. So it's sbc.net slash COVID-19. And it just gives you updates. We're going to update that as we learn anything. If something changes at a seminary or if the IMB issues any new, you know, advisories, anything like that, we're going to update it there so that we can have that information in one place. Yes. Also has the call to prayer points that we mentioned earlier in the show. That's right. 
we want that to be there. So basically when you look at it, it's not a long page because we didn't, you know, want to have it just this massive thing, but it gives an announcement, talks about how as the annual meeting organizer, the executive committee is committed to ensuring a safe and responsible gathering sort of where that is that we're currently proceeding with preparations. Then it goes into the day of prayer uh, information and points. And then it just has links. So if, when you go down and it says updates from your SBC seminaries, updates from other national entities, as they have those, we will link them there and you can link to the related stories at Baptist Press. Uh, so it's just a good sort of one-stop shop. That was the whole point of that uh, post was to have it uh, be someplace where you can find out what's going on everywhere at the same time. So uh, do check that out, sbc.net slash COVID-19. And we'll link to that uh, on our social media channels as well as at the sbcthisweek.com website in the show notes and also in the Baptist Press articles. It also links to like a, a bevy of Baptist Press articles, everything that we've done on COVID-19. So uh, anything that you're looking for right there is kind of your one-stop shop. As we end here, we just want to encourage again for everyone to participate in the time of prayer on Sunday. Um, if your church is not has, is not doing that, or maybe if your church is, is not meeting uh, you with, with your family, all of us can participate in that. So this is a time for us to, even, even as we are distanced from each other, um, in some cases, we can have unity in prayer. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that time at my church on Sunday. We, I think we are meeting. As of now, we are. Dr. Floyd is actually preaching. At my All church right. on Sunday, so yeah, we my, will have that, have that heard, time of prayer. I have not heard from my church. Yeah, oh, Faith Baptist. Uh, so I guess no news means you're meeting, right? At this point, until I hear hear otherwise, I will uh, I will be there, but I will wash my hands and uh, probably participate in you know some of the the same things that that everyone's doing. Do it, give a wave instead of a handshake. Exactly, so. and we have a lot of information at Baptist Press. I know there's some stories come today about how churches, how different churches are. Are being affected by COVID-19, especially churches that may meet in schools, church plants that meet in schools, schools are closed, not letting them meet. So what do you do there? So I know that's something that I haven't thought about until that story popped up on our radar this week. So uh, right. just a lot going on. It impacts every church differently. Every church has their own decisions to make. So yes. Uh, yeah. And we have to have grace for each other as we, as we wrestle for those things. And to make sure that, you know, even as individuals, if our churches are meeting, but if we feel even the slightest bit bad or off, stay I home. I think everyone's advising, stay home. We have to learn how to begin making decisions for all the people, you know, that, that we come into contact with and come around us. So uh, definitely in prayer for churches as they make those decisions and individuals. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week, Amy. I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.